Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, happy birthday to, well, no one really. Yesterday, we marked the first ominous anniversary of the Wuhan virus pandemic. Not much to celebrate there, unless, of course, you're a power-drunk politician or bureaucrat who likes clamping down on freedoms and charter rights. But just wait you hear about another birthday story, that of a little girl's. You see, her birthday party was actually raided by police after being tipped off by a COVID Karen just when you thought things couldn't get any worse. Drea Humphrey has all the brutal details. And Ralph Klein's niece, uh, Dadley Klein, she scored a major victory in court the other day vis-a-vis that act of civil disobedience known as opening her barbershop. But why is it that the Mounties are apparently begging to differ? Sheila Gunn-Reed will weigh in on this one. And letters, we get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about the potential conflict of interest that Premier Doug Ford might be in. You see, in addition to being Premier of the province, Doug Ford is also the owner of Deco Labels. And apparently, Deco is a supplier of those signs and floor arrows Ontario businesses must display in their shops to enforce all those Wuhan virus protocols. And also, apparently, (laughs) business is booming at Deco these days. So really, is Ford truly incentivized to end the lockdowns? Hmm, I wonder. Those are your Rebels. Now let's round them up. Today, I want to introduce you to Miller, the Miller family. I mean, you've got parents, you've got aunts, you've even got grandpa that came together in a small gathering to celebrate two of two cousins in the family, their birthday together. No, no extra friends or anything like that. The police showed up, the police entered, and they were all fined. I'll let them tell you the story. And we're also going to speak to their lawyer that we have hired for them. 
Christina Mukari, who was ready to fight each and every fine that each adult that was present received. Now, Tanya, um, yours and Shane's daughter was one of the cousins who you guys were celebrating a birthday of. Now, tell us a little bit about why it was important for you guys to gather as a family and celebrate the kid's birthday. Um, because I, Shane and I feel that it's important for our children to have social interactions. We've chosen with Katie and Akash and Gord that we would like to keep a family bubble and have our kids socialize and get together. And since considering it was a milestone and both my niece and Alex Ava's birthday, we chose as parents that it was the right choice for our children to get together. Yeah, you know, I'm a parent too. And I think uh, a big goal of mine during life with COVID-19 has been to try to keep things as normal as possible for them. I think that's a very healthy way to do it. Now, did you ever expect that police would be crashing your daughter's birthday party? No, and um, it was quite an event for the kids because they were really surprised by what was happening. Um, and it quickly changed their reactions into a little bit of fear. And I think that I never expected that they would show up in such great numbers mm -hmm. um, as well. They were swarming my backyard. There was two of them in the backyard at, at a different point when we were singing happy birthday, uh, which really surprised me. <laughs> I didn't know how they actually got back there with all the snow <laughs> and didn't know that we were doing something so serious that it needed the attention of uh, cops standing in our yard. Yeah, and one of you, I'm not sure which one will play it here, actually questions the officer about, you know, what were you doing in the backyard? Is that why you were standing in the backyard as well? Trespassing on our property because yeah, you thought we might run out the back door? Did you were in the backyard? I know you got at, our, at the back door. You were. Oh, and under what law for you to come into the backyard was that? Just because you don't respect the law and you don't want the person. And so you don't respect the law too. Is that what I understand? If you want to go to the court and explain yourself, I will have to. If you want to, to. Everybody bring us to the court because you don't, uh, you don't think we do our job it's, it's correctly. It's okay. Uh, we'll have the, you will be able to do it. I know you right now, you're doing your job. But but right now, I need a piece of no, ID to make sure yourself correct. Now, Gordon, Grandpa, Pops, or is it Papa you go by? Pop is what the kids call me, yeah. <laughs> okay, now you actually reached out to me to uh, let us know what happened to you guys. But a bunch of you, let me know how many received fines well over a thousand dollars, right? That's right. Well, the reason I reached out to you is because uh, Shane, Tanya, um, Kosh, uh, they all have businesses. I mean, they're in desperate shape under these lockdowns and what have you. And yeah. particularly the dance studio and the CrossFit gym. Mm -hmm. So uh, they don't have a lot of time. So I'll take it under my wing to organize this and to follow up on all the tickets. And that's why I was following up with uh, find, Fight the Fines. Yeah. And uh, so here we are. Right. So thousands. So I, I'm, I'm kind of the organizer, but I was just the grandfather there for my two granddaughters. Yeah. And uh <clears throat> and, and and I have to say I was kind of shocked mm -hmm. and it was it was abundantly clear that a neighbor 
had ratted on us. Uh, you know, this is what you call, this is certainly one of the signs of a developing police state mm -hmm. where snitching it becomes the rule of the day. And uh, so I, I think I'm probably as appalled by this as my son and daughter and in-laws uh, and what their children had to go through. So there you have it, folks. Welcome to yet another grotesque story here in the post-Wuhan virus world in which we live, a world in which several police officers will be dispatched to a little girl's birthday party to break it up and threaten arrests because such a celebratory event is obviously a super spreader catalyst, right? Oh, and please, everybody, turn a blind eye to those jam-packed Costco's and Walmarts down the road. And joining me now from Vancouver is Drea Humphrey. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Drea. Hi, David. Hey, everybody. Always great to see you. Drea, so many angles here, but right off the hopper, who do you have more contempt for? The police that descended SWAT style on this home or the COVID Karen who called the police to put this ball in play in the first place? It's got to be the COVID Karen for yeah. sure. <laughs> Hands down, they are out of control. And, you know, your neighbor of all people, it, it's 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 terrifying. And about little kids, you know, I got a funny little story that happened to my mom about, you know, a neighbor just like that. She actually had her neighbor call bylaws to complain that my mom is leaving the recycling out too long, which my mom is doing in the appropriate hour, and thus is attracting homeless people without gloves and masks, and so it's a safety risk. Oh, you're I mean, kidding. Yeah, it's out of control. So, <laughs> so in other words, so I, I take it from this story that uh, homeless people would go through the recycling bin and look for uh, deposit return uh, containers. Well, it's not even always, I mean, sometimes they have vehicles, there's a baby in the backseat. It's actually a nice neighborhood. It happens in my neighborhood too. Maybe it's a BC thing. I don't know. But uh, yeah, she called bylaws over that. Well, if they're repurposing garbage, shouldn't the yeah. environmental community be all in on that one? That is outrageous. I mean, you know, I, I think, Drea, do, do you get the sense that there is some people, I, I think the COVID Karens out there, as I call them, I think these are either people with an inferiority complex or they're wannabe bullies and the idea that they can phone bylaw to be the real bully uh, empowers them. Do you think there's an element of that going on that this is like a psychological problem on their end? Absolutely. And I think that it's a misplacement of frustrations because I think they see people doing what people are supposed to do, be with their family, live, not isolate. And it makes them angry inside because they haven't, uh, they can't do it themselves. And, and so they kind of retaliate in that way. And, and you know, you, you touched upon a really good point there. Uh, people doing what people are supposed to do. We are social animals, right? Mm -hmm. We are not meant, you know, to live in solitary confinement. And that's especially true with kids. And you know, mm -hmm. Drea, uh, a few months ago, the Canadian Mental Health Association released that study. 10% of Canadians have considered committing suicide during this pandemic. To put that into perspective, in a non-pandemic year, it's typically 2.5%. So a fourfold increase. I can only imagine, you know, how 
this little girl and her friends were feeling when they saw an intimidating show of force by law enforcement saying, this is illegal, it's got to be shut down. I, what, what do you make of it? Well, first of all, they didn't even have friends. It was just a small, intimate family uh, mm. celebration of two cousins. So okay. two cousins around the age 14. Um, so I would imagine that this is building almost sort of a, a fear and a lack of a respect for police officers, you know, when you're making the child a criminal. And they also said, the police said, you know, give us a pat on the back, basically, because we could have fined the kids because oh. um, they're four, almost 14. So they use their discretion on that. But um, so, yeah, I don't know what it's going to do for for children who are just trying to live a normal life. And you mentioned mental health. I, I know in my reports, I talk about that a lot. And the suicides that are increasing a big chunk of those are the kids. Our kids are killing themselves. And uh, before COVID-19, uh, the number two killer of kids in Canada was suicide. And suicide is up for our children now post COVID-19. So I'm really scared about what those numbers are going to be. And so little things, we already know they are not really at risk from this virus. So little things like that, being able to celebrate your birthday with your family um, can go a long way on the mental health spectrum for them. You know, you're right, Dre. I saw that report the other day about uh, youth suicide rates. It was downright chilling. And uh, the way people are being treated uh, during this uh, Wuhan virus pandemic isn't helping things. You know, I, I, I just, it, there was something about your report that just got my dander up. I think of all the, the fight the fines cases I've covered. A guy sitting alone on a park bench, $880. A guy in a vacant lot with a metal detector, $880. A senior citizen up in Sarnia taking his dog out uh, to relieve itself in the apartment parking lot in which he lives, uh, an even higher fine. And, and now this, you know, I'm... I'm almost hesitant to say, can it get any worse? Or is this maybe this little girl's birthday party being raided like it's some kind of a drug den? Is this the jump the shark moment for law enforcement when it comes to these ridiculous Wuhan virus protocols? I wish it wasn't going to get worse, but I think we've all learned that uh, we continue to get surprised and surprised with everything that's happening with these restrictions. I mean, this story is so shocking because you've got grandpa and and parents and kids um, all, you know, almost, almost being criminalized. And out in BC, we have it a little easier than you guys out, out east. But uh, something else that I don't get is we're forbidden from gathering in public. But if you go to the parks, they're, they're packed. The kids are running around playing where I live in BC. And, you know, before it used to be you meet your friend or you meet your loved one and the kids play together. So now we have people meeting at the park, not meeting their family or their friends at the park. And they're allowing their kids to play with strangers instead of their cousins or their family friends. It, it just makes no sense. No. I, I look at it and I'm so shocked. Nothing about this virus in its one-year history has made any sense, despite our leaders telling us they're all being directed by science. Yeah, weird science, or maybe political science, which isn't science anyway or anyhow. Drea, great report. Thanks for weighing in on this. Thank you.
And that was Drea Humphrey in Vancouver. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. read for Rebel News here in Red Deer, Alberta, outside the Baymont Inn and Suites and Conference Centre, where the Alberta government is using one of the conference rooms here as a satellite courtroom. Now, today was the first court appearance for Natalie Klein of Blades to Fades. You'll remember her as the Innisfail barbershop owner who came to us through IWillOpen.com. She's the former Premier of Alberta, Ralph Klein's niece, and she chose to reopen her barbershop in defiance of the lockdown restrictions that closed her business to customers. Now, for that, she received almost immediate harassment and surveillance from Alberta Health Services inspectors. Natalie received a lockdown summons to appear in court. So we hired her a lawyer through our civil liberties initiative, FightTheFines.com at no cost to her. Now, Natalie's lawyer was top-notch litigation expert Chad Williamson from Williamson Law. Now, you'll recall he's the same lawyer who fought the government and won on behalf of Chris Scott at the whistle stop. What a great morning. Uh, the practice of law is not always uh, uh, full of success and uh, wonderful stories, but obviously there was a big round of applause down at the Williamson Law uh, offices this morning on account of the fact that the Crown has withdrawn uh, two significant charges under the Public Health Act against our client, Natalie Klein. Um, again, as, as we've discussed before, uh, we're experiencing resounding success uh, in multiple areas uh, in fighting for liberty and freedom across this province. And uh, as much as I'd love to uh, credit the talent in my firm, specifically uh, one of my good friends and close associates uh, and fellow lawyer, Yoav Niv, who has been deftly handling many of these fight the fines cases we were able to call our client Natalie this morning and advise her that uh, these charges uh, have been dropped uh, now that's not to say that the war has been won uh, as you know uh, an army can win many battles but uh, still not win the war and there is much work left to do as I've mentioned before, we have opened dozens of files uh, and we are fighting vigorously and aggressively uh, against government overreach and oppression in this province. But today, specifically, and uh, this is reason for everyone out there to smile, uh, as I'm sure if Ralph were around today, he'd be smiling. Um, and we know that our client is smiling. This is a success for freedom and liberty in the province of Alberta. Uh, and our office will continue uh, to fight for the civil, civil liberties of uh, not only our clients, but for all Albertans, uh, and will attempt to continue to score these resounding successes. Now, that's not to say that we're always gonna win. But every single victory uh, pushes the, sl the, the slider a little closer uh, to, the, to, the, uh, to the mark of freedom on the dial. And we thank Albertans for their support. We thank our clients for their trust uh, and their courage uh, uh, in these cases. And we are so excited and enthusiastic about representing Albertans uh, in all areas of law. And uh, today is a reason, uh, a reason for everyone out there to smile. Well, it sounds like Alberta Health Services and the government knew exactly what was good for them. And today they withdrew the charges against Natalie Klein. So I ran into Natalie and some of her supporters, including one of our other Fight the Fines cases, Mom's Diner, to get their reactions. Natalie, tell us what happened today. Well, I just talked to my lawyer 
and he advised me that the Crown does not want to proceed with any charges or any trial. So it's all been thrown out and we are allowed to go back to work. <laughs> oh, I love Natalie's laugh and she has much to chuckle about and say, who says you can't fight City Hall after all? Just one hitch though, folks. Apparently the RCMP uh, didn't get the memo about Natalie's slam dunk vi victory. And what is the deal with that? Well, with more on the victorious Great Alberta Barbershop Rebellion is none other than Sheila, the she-devil Gun Reed. How you doing, Sheila? David, I'm great. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, always a pleasure. So, Sheila, before we dive deep into Natalie's story, it came to light after you recorded this piece that yeah. the Mounties somehow don't think she is the victor. And uh, par for the course, of course, the mainstream media is getting things wrong yet again. So what's the real story with that? So after the fact, the mainstream media, it seems like they just really want Natalie to be punished for opening her business and trying to keep her business afloat and cutting hair in her town. Wow. They really don't want her to be able to just not have these charges. So they contacted the RCMP to see, well, what happened? How did the charges get dropped? which is weird because normally you would contact the Crown. But anyway, they contacted the RCMP and they said, oh, it seems as though there was a clerical error. And now her charges are in limbo, is what they told the local media. And they also sort of alluded to the fact, at least in their um, discussions with local media, that the charges could potentially come back. Well... As it turns out, Natalie actually has a piece of paper from the Crown saying your charges are withdrawn, um, and that's that. There was no evidence of a clerical error, or at least not foretold of in the uh, letter that she received from the Crown. They just said your tickets are withdrawn, and that was the end of it. And so the only time that any news of a clerical error came up in the days between the the charges withdrawn and our video going to air um, was that the video went to air, that we took a victory lap around the government. Um, and so now all of a sudden the story is changing. So Sheila, if there is no clerical error and we can't find any evidence of that, then why no. is the RCMP and why are members of the mainstream media saying that this is a clerical error? In other words, where are they getting this information from? Or are they just making up stuff now? I don't know where the RCMP are getting their information from. I mean, they said that they're doing now an internal investigation. At least that's what I read in some of the local news coverage of this. Um, but Natalie's tickets are withdrawn. She lawyered up through fightthefines.com. She got Chad Williamson as her lawyer. He's the really great lawyer who helped Chris Scott at the whistle stop. And the tickets were withdrawn. And that's the end of it. And there's an interesting side note here in all of this. The Crown Prosecutor on Natalie's file, oh, no. at least according to the letter that we received, <laughs> that Natalie received and that she sent to me, is Karen Thorsrud. Now, some of you might know that name as the Crown Prosecutor who insists on remaining anonymous, but I'll say her name because she does not have a publication ban on her name. And she's the Crown Prosecutor who is insisting that Pastor James Coates 
remain in the maximum security remand center um, because she won't lift those bail conditions that prevent him from not just preaching at a church that violates the health restrictions, but attending a church that violates the health restrictions. And so because of Karen Thor's rude, Pastor James Coates will remain behind bars until his trial in May on an offense for which, if he's found guilty, jail time is not a punishment. That's the same crown involved in Natalie's case. Well, Sheila, you had me at Karen. Um, but you know, in the bigger picture, uh, you mentioned earlier uh, you visiting um, Natalie to do the um, victory lap. And to me, that's what this story should be, a victory. Yeah. But it seems that certain members of law enforcement, perhaps, certain members of the bureaucracy, uh, definitely certain members of the mainstream media, they don't see this as a victory. They see this as someone, you know, getting away with something. And what is she getting away with? Well, much like Alicia Herder at Chrome Artistic Barbering in St. Catharines, Ontario, she's had the temerity to keep her business running and service a grateful clientele, not forcing people into her, 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 her barbershop. But if you want to go in, go in. If you don't, pass on. So it's kind of funny to me, Sheila, that when we see a victory in the name of freedom, this is to be condemned? They see this as some sort of miscarriage of justice, uh, akin to, you know, a, a sex offender getting off on a technicality and is now loose in the community. Natalie's loose in the community now to cut hair. Uh, I mean, that, that's really what, what this is all about. They think there should have been punishment for Natalie for standing up for herself, for defying the lockdown, and there isn't. And so they want a mulligan. Well, they're not going to get a mulligan. And if they try a mulligan, God help them, because we're going to have Chad Williamson standing shoulder to shoulder with Natalie to help her in that instance, too. So if Karen Thorsrud wants to go up against Chad Williamson, good luck, sister, oh. um, because I think she's going to be in for a real fight. Uh, they just really they want to a redo on what they did to Natalie, and that's not how it works. You know, it's amazing, and uh, yeah, Chad is absolutely fantastic, as you said, uh, Sheila. But, you know, we've been told for a year now all these decisions are being driven by science, and yet we know that a small salon catering to one or two people at a time, a salon or a barbershop that before the pandemic has always being dictated to uh, by hygiene and sanitation standards yeah. that far uh, outclass anything you'd see in a Walmart or a Costco, yet the little mom and pop business has to be shut down uh, that adheres to sanitation and hygiene, but we can pack them to the gills at Walmart and Costco. Sheila, I can't make sense of this anymore. Well, and we're talking about a barbershop where Natalie was doing her best to follow COVID regulations while reopening her business in defiance of them. What I mean is she was only seeing one client in a chair at a time. So you couldn't come, she would just take you in, cut your hair, send you back out, sanitize everything and keep going. That should have been certainly good enough for the government, but it wasn't because she was defying the lockdown that closed her business. And this isn't a big city barbershop. This is little bitty Innisfail. Alberta. That's where she 
uh, was cutting yeah. hair and continues to cut hair. They are not a super spreader town. It's not a super spreader event. Furthermore, there's no evidence that there were any COVID-19 transmissions related to personal care businesses. So the closure of the industry as a whole was unscientific. So good for Natalie for looking at that and saying this is a bad law and it's not going to change unless one of us stands up to it. And as it turns out, right after she did it, guess what? The businesses were open. Jason Kenney lifted those restrictions on her industry just days later. So somehow these people in the mainstream media still want her to be prosecuted, even though it really comes down to a date on a calendar. It was just like a day here, two days there, three days there before she was allowed to reopen. And they still want her prosecuted for what? For safety? Amazing. Isn't that strange? Sheila, exit question very quickly. Uh, Natalie does run a business and the bottom line when you run a business is indeed the bottom line. Do you think for her taking such a prolific rebel stance, this is good for business or will the, her clientele in Innisfil punish her by avoiding her shop? I think with so many of our first, they came, so many of them came to us through IWillOpen.com. That was our um, portal for businesses like Natalie. So before Natalie got a fine, we were telling the story of this brave hair salon that's willing to open. We've seen time and time again, these places who are willing to reopen see an immediate uptick in business, like so busy that it's hard to get an appointment. I know the nail salons that I covered in Alberta, uh, I, one of them who's a regular super chatter on our uh, daily live stream, um, Catherine from Pink Phoenix Nails, she was able to renovate her salon based on wow. the business that she got. Um, we had another hair salon in Red Deer whose house was in foreclosure because the salon was in her house and she's obviously not able to open. Her house is now out of foreclosure. Natalie is busy all the time. Uh, Chris Scott at the whistle stop. You couldn't get a table in there. You had to wait for two <laughs> hours. Um, if businesses are willing to reopen, boy, there's a lot of people willing to stand in solidarity with them because we don't, for, for those of us who don't have small businesses, we want to help. We just don't know how. And so we want we want the opportunity to help you by spending some money and patronizing your business. Fantastic. Well, there you go, small business community. I know you're facing a lot of intimidation from politicians and the bureaucracy and the health directors and whatnot. But as you just heard from Sheila, being brave, taking a rebel stand is indeed good for business. Sheila, thanks so much for weighing in on this. You're welcome. I just want to say, if you are one of those businesses who's willing to open and you do open and you do get a ticket. Now, look, I can't encourage you to I can't encourage you to open. But if you do get a ticket, guess what? We'll help you with that through fightthefines.com. You aren't alone. We'll help you the same way that we helped Natalie. We sure will, folks, because nobody else is willing to do that. Thank you again, Sheila. You're welcome, David. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. Well, folks, I'm standing outside Deco Labels. You might be familiar with this company. Deco Labels is, I believe, majority owned or fully owned by Premier Doug Ford. And it makes all kinds of 
labels and signage and decals and what have you. And hey, nothing wrong with that. We support business of any size. But the question arises, is it possible that Premier Ford is in a bit of a conflict of interest position because it has been noted that Deco Labels produces the types of signage and decals that stores need for all those Wuhan virus protocols. You know, the signs that tell you to sanitize your hands or to put a face diaper on. And of course, those, there's those directional arrows because the, the Wuhan virus is very concerned about which way uh, customer traffic flows in stores, don't you know? Well, we did reach out to Ivana Yelich. Uh, she's the spokeswoman for the Premier. Um, well, it looks like not only are we not allowed to take part in those daily pressers, uh, now the uh, spokes thingies aren't getting back to us either. So we've come right here to Deco Labels to hopefully get some answers and to address whether or not the Premier is in a conflict of interest because what I'm getting at, folks, is that the longer this lockdown goes on, the more lucrative it is for people in the lockdown signage business. Anyways, let's see what we'll find. Well, uh, the first thing that greets our eyes is some signage. Um, it's pretty ratty looking for a company that specializes in signage, wouldn't you say? In any event, it says, due to the current COVID-19 situation, the doors to our facility will be locked. Please call this number to reach reception. All right, let's give it a call, shall we? Yes, hi there, sir. Uh, my name's David Menzies with uh, Rebel News, and uh, I'm just outside your door here. It's locked. I was just hoping to interview somebody at uh, Deco Labels. Yeah. Can you leave the property? It's private property. Oh, can we leave the property? Yes, please. Okay, I, I just wanted to get a, a one no, question answered. Is Premier Ford in a conflict of interest situation in that your company supplies these signs and decals and labels? for the COVID-19 protocols? I want you to leave the property. I'll have the police here. Oh, Goodbye. who are you, sir? Okay. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Hi, ma'am. Do you work at uh, Deco Labels? You don't leave, work here? That's interesting. Uh, she doesn't work here either, but she wants me to leave the property. Hmm. Hi, sir. I just here to find out if uh, the premier's in a conflict of interest position. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. I think this is a textbook case of what the hell happened to Doug Ford. It was only a few short years ago that Doug Ford, before he became premier Ford, he actually proposed a weekly show at Rebel News, and it's gone from that to not returning our calls to banning us from press conferences. And as you just saw, we went to the door and uh, whoever that man was on the other end of the phone, uh, they said they were gonna phone the police if we didn't get off the property. So again, uh, I have a question that is going unasked, which is simply this. Could it be that the premier is in a conflict of interest position? Because obviously the longer the lockdown continues, the more need there is for the kind of signage his company, Deco Labels, produces. Wow. Talk about customer service excellence. 
And you had plenty to say about the guy who used to be the common man driving the common van, only to show his true colors once he got into the Premier's office. How disappointing. Gary D. writes, nothing like good customer service when Deco threatens potential customers. Yeah, really, I bet the late, great Rob Ford is turning in his grave watching this sorry spectacle. And that's one takeaway we've learned in the past three years, folks. Doug Ford, sadly, is not Rob Ford. Fluffy Ann writes, as they say, follow the money. Well, we followed the money, all right, right to a dead end. You know, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe there is no conflict of interest. But it would be smashing if the premier or someone at his company would grant us an interview. But these days, that only happens if you're a rank-and-file member of the mainstream media, it would seem. Incredible. Hunter Black writes, I'm sure this store is deemed essential, right? Like Walmart, right? Yes, maybe Doug Ford's former war room staffer, Melissa Lansman, lobbied for Deco Labels just as she had successfully lobbied for Walmart to ensure that that corporation wouldn't be affected by any lockdown monkey business. Yeah, no conflict of interest there either, right? Oh, and by the way, Lockdown Lanceman, she's vying to be the Conservative Party of Canada candidate for the riding of Thornhill. I'm pretty sure Erin O'Shear thinks she's got the right stuff. Aisha9696 writes, Why are they so arrogant and shunning the press? Very shady. Well, Aisha9696, we see this strategy all the time from many players. The thinking is this, I think, we won't say anything and that will effectively kill the story. Well, it doesn't kill the story and the scaredy cats who won't come on record just come across as cast iron jerks. A Canadian tradition writes, sounds like a Ford on the intercom, <laughs> you know, Canadian tradition. I went back and listened again and the worst thing I can say about this story is, you know, you might be right. And to think Doug Ford, four years ago, actually pitched a weekly Rebel News show called Ford Nation. I was going to be the host for that show. What happened? And Fred Calbent writes, I've got a few labels for Doug Ford, bully, dictator, and hypocrite. Good one, Fred. And I'm sorry to say, with those labels, <laughs> talk about truth in advertising. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night. <laughs>